wheels make me wanna shout. Kick your heels up and shout. Throw your hands up. Welcome back, listeners, to yet another exciting episode of Bills and Beers, the Buffalo Bills preview podcast here from the Bills backers of Chicago, Illinois. I'm Lars. Joining me tonight, the lovely Miss Cassie Hutton is here. Greetings, greetings. And joining us also here this evening is Bill Belcher. Bill, say hello. Uh, you, by the way, Cassie, sounded like an alien, um, which ties into what I think uh, might uh, you know, have to be our wild card for this week, and that is uh, Halloween costumes. Well, we'll, we'll okay, we'll, we'll get thinking about the Jetsons for a, some reason. A, we'll get to wild card. Uh, much later it might in the be episode. Too early. It might and be too B, early for it's just now today, October 1st, so we'll get there. <laughs> Big news in Bills Nation this week the benching of EJ Manuel. We have plenty to talk about there. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. Billsandbeers.com, best way to find us. Subscribe on iTunes and tell everybody in Bills Nation how you found us. Coming off yet another loss, a terrible, terrible loss to the Houston Texans, which resulted, as we said before, in the benching of EJ Manuel. We'll get into that, and also this week's road opponent, a very intriguing game now with Kyle Orton under center, coming up against the Detroit Lions. So the showdown in Houston uh, against the Amish Rifle did not go so well for the Buffalo Bills this past weekend. In fact, however, it was J.J. Watt which, uh, who single-handedly dismantled our team. It was not a pretty game, and I'm going to challenge you guys as we're going to go through here, and we'll start this week with the Genesee Cream Ale Bummer of the Week, which we usually save for the latter portion of our analysis following a loss, but I'm going to put it to you to find a Genesee Cream Ale Bummer of the Week, not named EJ Manuel. Cass, we'll start with you. Um, You know what? I'm trying to forget the game on Sunday. But since I watched it with my lovely family in Cleveland, Ohio, I will not forget it. Uh, I would say Sammy Watkins for his dropped balls numerous times. Interesting. Uh, You go there before going live. We were talking about some of the comments that Sammy has made now that Kyle Orton is running the huddle. And my comment to you, Bill, was that Sammy Watkins, after 16 professional quarters, may not be the guy who should be criticizing, well, just about anybody, particularly given his less-than-perfect performances these past two weeks. Yeah, I mean, but he wasn't outright criticizing. He was speaking the truth. Okay, fine, but he very much criticized EJ through he was his very praise. soft-spoken in the way he in, he was saying it. I agree with you that, like, a if he had another year under his belt in the NFL giving interviews, he would not have made that comment. But that doesn't change the fact that, like, someone's thinking about it. Okay, fine. So who is your non-EJ Manuel Jenny cream ale bummer of Sunday's game? Uh, Stefan Gilmore again. Oh, come <laughs> on. Why? Because he's a bum. He did uh, not play that poorly. Yes, dude, he missed, like, three tackles, open he, field tackles. He's a first-round draft pick. We expect high first round. Yes. Sorry. Okay. All right. If you guys insist, I, uh, I, he's okay. Okay. Yeah. I, you guys seem in, to be in, in agreement. Cor- on this. When, I mean, when Corey Graham gets only nine snaps. Yeah. Except on one of those, he got smoked for a touchdown. So, you know, just like with the EJ Manuel si- situation, you're not going to ask him to do a whole lot, and he still can't deliver. That's a bad sign. Well, I Corey mean, Graham though is delivered. I think 
up until every play up until that play. So I will give him, fine, you got burned. No argument here. If I had to pick a Jenny Cream Ale bummer of the week, I actually don't know who it was. Whoever, though, it may have been Jerry Hughes. Um, Again, you're going to name like three different no, people. No, 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 no. So okay, choose one. Whoever it was. Jenny that, Cream Ale. I'm, whoever it was week. that injured Nigel Bradham. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was. Because it was it was on the, the it was on his interception play, yeah. he got lit up. It might have been uh, Brandon Spikes. By now that I think about yeah. it, yeah. Although, but Brandon Spikes had like just an amazing. Dude, hit. Brandon Spikes I is, love him. is such a monster out there, and he hurt him because of the way he plays, which is he's just a wrecking ball out there. Yeah. He seems to be completely unblockable. There was a vine in one of the WGR analyses. It had to have been Jeremy White's because he's the one who uses them. Yeah. Showing Brandon Spike shugging, like just shrugging off a block from a guard, that was just incredible. I mean, he, he made it look so effortless. Like he did not even it did not even remotely impede his progress, and it was almost like an afterthought to him. And and it's been so long since we've seen that from our middle linebacker. So at the very least, I have to give him props, and for no other reason because we have what the top three run defense in the league right now. Yeah, he has to he has to be playing some part in that. In addition to the scheme. Yeah. Well, but, and yeah. Arian Foster's injury. I mean, he definitely was not at 100% on Sunday. Fair enough. Yeah, and we saw backups against Dolphins and the Chargers, too. And we didn't do that great against Matt Forte, but he is Matt Forte, after all, one of the top five backs. So we'll get to the EJ Manuel situation in just a second here. But before we do, we got to find a little bit of light at the end of the table. So Bill, or excuse me, light at the end of the tunnel. Bill, we'll start with you. A table was yeah, I liked actually, that. Yeah, light at the end nice. of the table. Yeah, it was yeah. nice. I don't know why I said table. There's a table. The I probably because I can table. see two tables between this and the coffee table there in the in the living room. Yeah. Um, who was your Labatt Blue MVP of Sunday's game? Who played well? Oh, I got one. With only seven carries, he was an obvious winner. You can't give it to Fred Jackson yes. every week. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. I can if he plays <laughs> well. Nah. I know it's boring. But did he play well? He I, did. He played excellent when he got the ball. Right, he didn't have, he didn't have any he touches. He had seven, seven carries. Yes, but when he did get it. And he had some good blocks in there, you know. One could make the argument, and this is me bending over backwards to poke holes in your selection of Fred Jackson for the fourth consecutive week. One could make the argument that uh, because Fred Jackson has been so good, he's the reason why J.J. Watt had the pick six because EJ has become way too dependent on Fred in plays like that. Huh? How about that for a theory? That is a theory. But do you have do you, do you have <laughs> do you have a Labatt Blue MVP yet? Have you have you managed to come up with anybody? Just name somebody at this point. Just name somebody. Uh, how, about, how about Mike Williams for Mike Williams finally finally getting the ball. Uh, <laughs> I mean, really, you should give it to EJ Manuel in that scenario for finally finding all finding. It, all it Mike, took was Mike, Mike Williams. Williams running free with not a defender within 15 yards and yeah. he get and, the ball. And he still almost was caught from behind. So yeah. I, I love the irony of that since we talked about you can throw to Mike Williams when he's not open and he's open. And yet, the only time he's made <laughs> yeah. a play this year, he could not possibly have been any more open. That's not why he's on this team. He's on the team to do quite literally the opposite. If I had to give my, and again, it's tough. This is a tough week to find an MVP on this team, mostly because of EJ Manuel's performance. But I think, oh, it, oh, no, you're not allowed to go there either. No, I'm not going to say EJ Manuel. I'm, I'm you're saying you're going to say Kyle Williams. No, I'm not because no. he left the game early. I like, I honestly don't know because even the defense didn't have a standout game. They played pretty well, but I guess 
there was one at least standout play, and since he gets beat up on this podcast, and it may actually thus far be the play of his career, i got to give mine to Leotis McKelvin. Uh, That interception was pretty incredible, and watching it on the replays, I think he caught that thing about 12 feet out of the air, falling backwards. It was almost as spectacular as the catch made by the receiver from whom he ripped the ball away, DeAndre Hopkins, the week before they got called back. Uh, that certainly wasn't a Fitz mistake. It was a pretty terrible throw, but it wasn't a throw that needed to be intercepted. It was a it was a damn good play by Leotis McKelvin. It was an athletic play. It was. An athletic play. So we can't go any further now, I guess, without discussing... Actually, no, I wanted to give my Labat Blue MVP to the Doug Marone because the most important thing that happened Sunday was, was what happened Monday. Right. Uh, that being the, you know what, we're not wasting any more time. We're first in our division, even though at the time we had no way of knowing that the Patriots were going to get slaughtered the way they did. But it does appear now, especially after the Patriots got slaughtered the way they did, the AFC East is completely up for grabs. And Doug Marone on Monday basically said, well, we're done farting around. Uh, we're, we're missing way too many wide-open receivers, and we can't have a quarterback who's simply not playing at a professional level holding back what is otherwise a really good team. The national guys are pretty much all in consensus right now that uh, the starting 21 players in the Buffalo Bills are man-for-man just about as good as any other 21-man roster in the NFL. It's that 22nd player that's holding us back. Well, no longer. Kyle Orton is the starting quarterback. So who would you rather address in this scenario, Cassie? Do you want to talk about EJ Manuel and what it's going to take for him to get back on board and how he got to this point? Or do you want to talk about what we can expect from Kyle Orton on Sunday? I feel like we should talk about Kyle Orton because right now EJ's a lost cause. He is gone. That boat is shipped out. See you later, alligator. Wow. Do you do you think that EJ will ever take starting snaps and not because the quarterback in front of him is injured? It's a tough question. I mean, this year, potentially, but the problem is, is we're right back to where we started. We need a franchise quarterback. So is Kyle Orton it? I don't know. He took the Bears to the Super Bowl. He didn't, but I will... He did? No, Rex Grossman did. No, Orton played. Actually, no, he didn't. Orton was... He won one playoff game. Okay, fine. (laughs) Orton, okay, Orton has had a fine career, but that's not the point that I wanted to address. Who's the last quarterback we had that won a uh, playoff game? Kelly. Bledsoe did. Bledsoe won. Oh, oh, yeah. Bledsoe did. Yeah. Yeah. I thought. Okay. Yeah. I thought you meant in a Bills uniform. So I'm saying like whatever. I don't. Honestly, I don't care. I. I But I want to challenge what Cassie said because I think you agree with me that we don't need a quote franchise quarterback at least to win or even be in the playoffs this year. No. No. I know. I'm in. I'm in total agreement with you. I'm just saying, starting next year, starting. You know, we want to build a team that isn't just a one and done. Okay, we made a playoffs and lost in the first round. I want to build a team that. It's going to make it three, four, five years and be a contender. So Yeah, well, it's tough in general to uh, be a franchise, like save a franchise, because you're, you're, you're not given like a true chance, right? I mean, realistically. Unless takes, you're first overall it takes pick. Two, yeah. It takes two years, you know, I mean, two years at least of like playing time for someone to, to develop. And that's just not... You know, we don't, we don't, we as the Bills and we as like, you know, like any other team are not going to wait that long. But, but you could, you could look at the AFC East and the Jets are the exact opposite of us. They're standing by Geno Smith and he was a later round draft pick than EJ Manuel. So 
personally, I would rather be in the Bills situation where at least we're being re- we're kind of being reactionary and saying, hey, we're going to try something different here. We're not just going to stand by one guy and, and live and die by him. Well, one quarterback in the AFC East that was drafted higher than EJ Manuel was Ryan Tannehill. He almost lost his job this year. But lest we forget, and this has come up a lot this week, the original plan with EJ was to play behind Kevin Cobb. And that went the way of the wayside when he slipped on the mat coming out in training camp. They thought that they had enough in Thad Lewis and Jeff Toole, which in hindsight was a ridiculous scenario. So we were kind of left stranded with the quarterback situation. So that said, and Bill, I totally agree with you, it was known about E.J. Manuel coming out that he was a project. Are we comfortable with the notion that Kyle Orton might still be the starting quarterback of this football team two years from now? And that scenario is mostly made more realistic by the fact that we don't have a first-round draft pick next year. So who's the quarterback going to be in 2015? Who's, is, hit, who's hitting free agency next year? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean Eli Manning maybe, but like, it, do we really need to upgrade if we have a guy like... I mean, what free agent quarterback are we going to bring that's going to be that much better than Kyle Orton? Well, and but yeah, it's like that's the thing. If if let's say we got Alex Smith, right, and we could have picked him up. He was actually he was traded for. He was not a free agent. He wasn't. No, mm-hmm. I thought the same thing. I was corrected, but I'm with you. I'm 100 percent with you. But guys like Alex Smith, I would love. I mean, I would love to have picked him up. Um, I thought he was a free agent at that time when that was it. But at the same time, dude, we're the fucking Buffalo Bills, and we probably would have ruined. We probably would have ruined his career. I don't think so. I, I, think, I just don't. Uh, I mean, think. But think about last year's quarterback carousel. I mean, Jeff Tool, Thad Lewis, and EJ Manuel all started games. Yeah, and we're right back to where we were. Here we are, twenty games into this experiment, and what we haven't had over that twenty game span, while we've had a really good backfield. While we've had a really good defense, and now we have a really good wide receiving core, what we haven't had is basic competency at the quarterback position. I think Orton gives us that. I would agree. I think you know our past Bills and Beers member, Jeff Day, made a very interesting point via text message. He was at the Houston game, and he oh. said, body language, you can't see it on TV, but he said, loud and clear body language, is those wide receivers were not happy with EJ Manuel. And I have mixed feelings about that. Mostly, however, I'm not a big fan. I don't think that's how you conduct yourself in a team setting. You pick your teammate up. You don't pout because that doesn't help him, especially if he's a young guy. I mean, part of it, part of the problem is it's Robert Woods doing it, who's just as young as EJ. But the fact remains, you don't conduct yourself that way. I don't like that they do that. However, on the flip side, now the team going into Detroit, which is going to be a very difficult game, has a little more pep in their step probably. Now they they probably have renewed hope in what's happening because they're not going out there like maybe they were against Houston come the third or fourth quarter thinking, what is this all for? Why am I busting my ass if this guy can't get it together? I think they're going to, at the very least, go into that Detroit game with Orton having a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, allowing them to... Maybe put together what could be a winning game in Detroit. I don't know. We'll have to talk about it here coming up. Well, that's crazy. Crazy yeah. talk. I mean, and I know you were, uh, you know, you criticized uh, Sammy's comments about uh, um, him basically throwing EJ under the bus and saying that, uh, you know, talking about Kyle Orton, you know, the ball's coming out quicker. Um, he's making quicker reads. And the one thing that, that jumped out at me was he's like, he's like, yeah, man, like, 
it's just different. Like he t- he tells us like where we need to be. Yeah. Like he's I like, like you to need to be in this spot. And what's funny is and these guys are like I mean they're listening to him already. So what's great about this is yes, again, competency. He's been in the league for 10 years. Okay? The guy knows what's going on. He might not be able to be he might be just like Fitz, great passer, not a great thrower, but he doesn't have to be great for this team to succeed. He has to make throws that'll that'll force teams to respect us because they haven't been I don't know if he'll go deep down the sideline, but the play action deep will be there. He'll throw that deep post. He'll hit guys on the crossing pattern that have no defenders within nine yards in any direction, as was the case on Sunday when EJ missed Sammy wide open over the middle. He'll also throw the ball to Mike Williams when he's covered. Absolutely. And Mike Williams will do what we hired Mike Williams to do, which is go up and grab the ball. We've been saying it now for five weeks on this podcast, Bill. I completely agree with you. But don't be a th- don't don't be afraid to throw that and ball. And I don't think he will be. Because yeah, he's got, got nothing to Kyle lose. Kyle Orton's got nothing to lose. Yeah. Of course he does. However, I mean, yeah. No, and that's you mentioned Geno Smith. Geno Smith isn't afraid of making mistakes. Geno Smith throws picks, and quite frankly, I'd give up a pick and a half a game if I knew that EJ was just slinging the ball back there and throwing it with authority, yeah. but he doesn't. He neither throws nor passes with no. authority. No, he, he thinks, doesn't. He thinks way too much. He doesn't even stand in the pocket with authority. I mean, he's like, he's like, ooh, what do I do? Ooh, I'm jumping. Ooh, like I'm looking around, and there's, I, there's, I feel like there's no plan. There's no like. There's no flow. There's no rhythm. Nothing. JP, JP Lossman. He does. He looks. He has the skittishness of JP Lossman combined with the tentativeness of Trent Edwards. And as Bills fans, holy cow! But here's <laughs> I know, but you guys don't you don't disagree, do you? But if he was just slightly better, we'd be three and one. The difference between EJ Manuel and those two quarterbacks is he is on a team that is outrageously more talented. Yeah. And this is the last point I'll make about this before we go to talking about Detroit. This is also by far the most talented team that Kyle Orton has ever played on. He's never played on a team that has the defense, the running backs. And the wide receivers that our team does. And I'm confident that he will make our offensive line look a lot better. Because that ball is going to come out a lot faster. And it's not going to give defenses the opportunity to tee off on us like they have been. Cass? Yeah. All hands in. Okay, well then let's let's talk about how he's going to beat Detroit on Sunday. So we're headed to Detroit, the Ford Field, the Dome, the inside team, whatever. Detroit right now has, like, the number one overall defense or something like that. Yeah. Um, They played – Bill, did you watch the Green Bay game? Can you offer a little insight as to what the hell happened there? No. Because – no, you didn't watch it? Okay. Because otherwise they played two pretty lousy offenses. Um, The win over the Packers, though, does seem rather curious – it was the uh, loss that prompted Aaron Rodgers to tell everybody to relax. They since have and got it back together. But their other wins, uh, one over the Giants, who were pretty weak in week one also. And then they also beat the Jets this past week um, in a game that I, I've come to understand was pretty much given to them by Geno Smith. So I don't know if we can take their number one or however however high their defense is ranked. Um, take that number and really go with it. But we do know that they have the potential to have a very, very explosive offense. Now, 
Uh, Matt Stafford has been nicked up. Calvin Johnson has been nicked up. Golden Tate hasn't done much this year, I know, because I have him in fantasy. Reggie Bush is always a big play waiting to happen, but behind him, Joyk Bell's also nicked up. Yeah, I mean, skill-wise, not worried. Uh, Mental-wise, if we start to get down in the game, it's going to be a blowout. Oh, yeah. But you guys are the ones that are always so down on Stephon Gilmore. Who do you think is going toe-to-toe with Megatron on Sunday? You're not in the slightest bit worried about that matchup? Gilmore is. Well, why wouldn't he? Who else is who else are we gonna line up against him? Maybe Leotis McCulver. Either I mean, either way, he's the best wide receiver in football, and he's got a quarterback who will throw to him regardless if he's covered or not, and Calvin Johnson will catch it. We said last week, Cass, that we can expect some pretty good plays from Fitz, particularly with his legs. That came to fruition. I'm willing to sit here and say we can definitely expect Calvin Johnson to make some out of this world plays on Sunday. So if I was a betting person and I had Calvin Johnson in my fantasy league, I would go ahead and start him this weekend. That's my confidence level. I, I He's going to light us up. I'm sorry. You just know he is going to light us up. So you're not feeling confident about this game at like all? He gets 100, I, at, least, at least 150 yards. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, two touchdowns, 150 yards. At least. I mean, I, but the thing is, is I don't think it's an automatic loss. I think the rest of the team is hopefully going to rally around that and play. But, you know, can we injure him maybe? Like, what's wrong <laughs> well, with him? Well, he is can already we, nicked yeah, up. We... But, let me, okay, then I'll counter with this because we led this off by saying that their defense already is one of the best in the NFL. Now, again, they went up against Eli Manning before he figured out what was going on. I, I don't know if they faced Derek Anderson when they played Carolina. The... Packers were terribly out of sync when they played him, and then this past week they played against Geno Smith, who actually, the Jets moved the ball on them better than any of those three teams have to date. Um, you're you're expecting Calvin Johnson to score two touchdowns and put up 150 yards. Can the Kyle Orton-led Buffalo Bills offense keep pace with the Detroit offense, with the Detroit offense, given how good their defense has been so far? I mean, I think you need to look at it as defense is a wash, right? What defense? No, who's defense? Both. You say like you think it's a push? Yeah, it's a push. So it's their offense versus our offense. Correct. I don't think we'll win that game. I think we win right. it on the ground. I d- I think our running game, if they play it correctly, I I think we're gonna have a, a blowout running game. I don't know why. I just have a feeling. CJ and Freddie were kind of bottled up. This. I mean, how many times did Friggin' uh, EJ passed the ball. Like, well, they were God. trying to soften up the run D by forcing the Texans to respect the pass because otherwise, I mean, teams are just going to stack the box on us. Yeah. If Detroit does that and they get away with it, and Kyle Orton doesn't make them respect the deep the the the, the passing game, then yeah. it's it could be a very very long game. I would love to see our running game finally get clicking. I don't know if this is the week it does it though on the road in Detroit. This is going to be a very very difficult game. I have no idea what to expect. I don't know what to expect either. <laughs> I, I really don't. I, like, I have no idea what to expect because I don't know how good Kyle Orton is. All we've seen every week is these analyses that show all the yards and points that let, EJ's let, leaving on the field. Let's pretend. Let's pretend like EJ is. You know, this Kyle Orton thing did not happen, and EJ is starting. I would be. How I, are you? How are you feeling about if this game? If we beat Houston and EJ would have no, played no, no, well, no, 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 no. no, no, no. no, no. I'm I'm saying we lose against Houston. We, so, EJ was playing same, this week. Same scenario. Yeah, EJ. There was no benching of EJ, and we're here 
talking about the pod. You know, we're talking on the podcast about this game. You know, nothing. I'm, nothing I'm, has changed. Are you thinking that we're going to win the game? No, I'm thinking way more so that we're going to lose. Okay. Um, and I, are you saying that, and that's going to be because EJ Manuel can't get the job done because of where the Detroit is strong, which is on the defensive line. And we've played now successively better defensive lines, and we might be facing yeah. the best defensive line we've seen all year in Detroit. And quite frankly, EJ crumbled. I mean, granted, J.J. Watt is arguably the best player in the NFL, and he destroyed EJ Manuel for four straight yeah, quarters. Is he on? He has to be on some sort of drugs, right? I don't know. Why do you say that? I mean, he is kind of like. I mean, he's. Dude, he's, he's like cartoonishly he, big. Cartoonishly, nah, he. I don't feel like he's really. Yes, but he, he. I mean, dude, he is a monster. That boy has a lot of testosterone. Like, well, that you know he I mean? outran like superior levels. He outran of, EJ and our running backs on that pick I don't six. Know, like he just seems like it's two hundred ninety pounds of man, trucking down the field. I maybe 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 not. Yeah, we don't. We're not facing a player as good as him this week. But the collective defensive front for Detroit is better than what we saw last week. If you're an organization, is it a blessing in disguise uh, that we lost that game? Well, like it, it, maybe it, it nipped it nipped it in the bud the, the whole EJ thing. I, I think that that's gonna have to be something we're gonna have to look back on because I that's a really good point. Like, was that the straw that broke the camel's back to get us to move forward? Like, but what would EJ have had to have done differently to win that game? I mean. He doesn't throw. <laughs> he doesn't throw the pick six. Yeah, but okay, but he doesn't throw the pick six. We still win that game, but he still has a terrible game outside the pick six. You mean to tell me the coaching staff's going to watch that film? Watch him miss, and I can't get over this play. How open Sammy Watkins was in the middle of the field with nobody around him. Probably could have broken one tackle and run forty-five yards for a touchdown, and EJ sailed it ten feet over his head. The coaches are going to watch that film and say, well, we still got the W we're going to go through. I, I don't know. I can't honestly say that a win would have would have kept him in the game because he still would have played a lousy game. Mm. But it's also to say maybe he would have sharp. I mean, maybe that pick six really damages. I don't know. I honestly don't know. No, they, they, they couldn't have benched him apt if, if he had won the if the Bills had won the game. And we were three and one sitting at the top of our division. Yeah, you can't well, I mean well, yeah, you can't I, bench your but you you wouldn't be able to. No. Because what you would say would be like, Okay, he didn't play the best game, but he found a way to win the game. I like mean, even at two that's what two, a good quarterback does. Even I mean, at two Eli and two, Manning, suspect to 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 bench him, like saying that, you know, okay, let's ride it out for another couple games. Yeah. But we can't afford to do that now. I, I totally agree. I mean, I, I, agree. I, I did not know. I haven't talked to you guys what your guys' reaction was going to be. And I didn't know if it was going to be like, wow, way premature to bench a guy after four, uh, technically almost a rookie after four games into a season. I No, I think that it was premature to, as we talked about before going live, it was never a good idea to have EJ Manuel as the most veteran quarterback on this team, yeah. which, which he was for the most part, going into this year before we looked at the tire fire that was Thad Lewis and Jeff Tool's preseason performance and had to bring Kyle Orton in in the first place. So I think the mistake wasn't in pulling the plug on EJ. It was never having a good plan after Kevin Cobb went down, lined up to to take his place. But we've gotten way off the rails. It sounds like we're... I just want to win. I want to win yeah. too, and but we've also kind of 
there's really not much else to say about this Detroit game because just like the players, we have a renewed optimism and a renewed hope because we don't know what to expect going up against this Detroit defense. So with that, let's just take it right into predictions and wild card. Well, every episode must come to an end, and this one is... So that brings us to the wild card portion of this week's episode. It's the wild card. And we were just discussing here um, as we fill up our final beers of the evening. Um, this is Bills and Beers, which uh, we've done a lot of Bills talks, so and now it's time to switch over to beers. We started off the evening with Labatt Blue Light. Bill will talk about that later, but thank you for bringing them. I don't. Why Labatt Light? Why not just regular Batty Blue? Uh, well, I actually have them in my fridge because I needed an alternative to the IPAs that are, I, I normally you always, drink. Yeah. So I've always got IPAs, and I was just like, you know what, like, I often just feel like just having a beer, like, you know, 8 o'clock at night, just hanging out, like, watching TV or whatever. Don't necessarily want to have an IPA, just want, like, a light beer, whatever, but that's good tasting, so. Okay, all right. Blue light. Well, uh, we've since transitioned to the New Belgian Tour de Fall. It's a pale ale. Bill, I picked this up actually thinking that it was a sampler pack. Um, the tour is what led me to believe, like, oh, this is a tour of our beers. But in fact, mm. it's a beer simply called Tour de Fall. And actually, it looks like the, the label kind of looks like a circus tent, like an old school circus tent, which leads me to ask, have, have any of you guys seen previews for, and I don't think any this will resonate with anybody on this podcast but me, the new season of American Horror Story, which premieres a week from Wednesday. Nope, just me? Okay, great. I didn't even know that. I thought that was like an old movie or something. Wow. Nope, it's a show. This is the fourth season. It's an anthology-type show, so every season is different. New cast. Oh. It's actually the same cast. Did you read the book, too? There's no book. No. I don't read. Uh, But this is the Tour de Fall. It is a pale ale. And Bill, you know, it's actually pretty good. I think a lot of I think a lot of fall beers really like to put a lot of stock into the into the pumpkin aspect. And I had a pumpkin beer last Friday just for the because it was feeling really fall. For the most part, I I kind of don't get behind the whole oh it's all I can do my pumpkin spice latte because I think that's a little overplayed and it's really not that good. But I think a lot of beers tend to go real pumpkin heavy. This one not so much. It does have a little sp- fall spice to it. It's not real sweet like a lot of fall beers tend to. I think it's very good in its subtlety. It tastes a little bit like a fat tire. Well, it's a new Belgian beer, yeah. so I mean they That's that is their that is their flagship beer. First taste, give it a uh, 2.5 out of 5. And uh, Bill did take a lot of time there to get the entire flavor profile. Uh, like we said, this is Bills and Beers. This is the beer portion. Um, only consume beer if you're over 21. If you're under 21, ask your parents first. So we were coming off of a very, 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 very disappointing loss against Houston. And I tried really, really hard not to be bummed out all day Sunday, largely because my in-laws were here and I really couldn't like just pout around the house all day and just like strip down to my undies like I normally do after yeah. a loss. Um, so like getting out of that post-loss funk is always hard to do. And you'd think by now we'd be used to it. We never are. Um, but the wild card question for today, if you could invite any current Buffalo Bill over to your house to cheer you up after a loss, who would it be and why? Cass, we'll start with you, and you're not allowed to use Eric Wood. Go. Well, Eric, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so 
all of us Bills fans, our Bills and Beers crew, have, have watched a few primetime games together, mm -hmm. which always seems to result in a loss. And as a collective group, we never handle it very well. We've been kicked out of bars, we've had a little destruction, you know, we aren't really the best crew. So I was thinking, who would be the best person to join us as a crew? Lee Smith. Done! Yeah. <laughs> really? Is that who you're going to say? I mean, come on! He yeah. would have our back going up against the biggest thug, the biggest jackass at the bar. Lee Smith would be the man. Now, far be it for me to actually call us a member of the media, I do, however, like to think of the term media as something that's sort of lost its, its, its meaning. Media. Medium. Like, it's it's the plural of medium. It's different ways to convey information. So, yes, we are a part of the media. Yes. Lee Smith gets 98 to 99% of his media from this podcast. <laughs> of this, I am certain. Unless, like, he's from some small town in Nebraska who every, like, every week, the weekly paper in that town, because rest assured it's not a daily, does a little, uh, like... Where are they now? Lee Smith. Oh, Lee Smith, still a member of the Buffalo Bills. Unless that exists, there's no chance that that guy gets more media than he gets from this podcast. But Cass, I like where your head is at. Bill, who would you call upon to cheer you up following a Buffalo Bills loss? I probably should have uh, thought about this while you guys were just talking. Um, Always a good plan. Yep. So uh, uh, instead of doing that, I'm just going to go ahead and, uh, and, and pick a player. And delay, uh, delay a little bit of time here. I'll give you some more time to think. Mine would be another big white tight end on our team, and that's Scott Chandler. Because I know Scott gets over losses pretty quick and likes to play video games. So I'd have him come over. We'd play a little FIFA, maybe some Madden. And he'd be like, hey, Scott, let's uh, let's just you and me engage. We'll play Madden, and nobody's allowed to play as the Bills. These guys it. don't care, man. No, they don't. They I mean, don't. They literally do not care. They're in their 20s and making millions of dollars. Of course they do not care. You follow these guys on Instagram. Yes, I'm talking about Instagram again and following my beloved Buffalo Bills. But, yeah, after Yo, the game, started, they're all like... I'm, I'm now in the Instagram game. Yeah. Oh, it's going to change I'm, your life. I'm really slow. Which, 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 which by the way, uh, CJ Spiller's been posting pictures of what he wears to these away games and on the road games and even just to the stadium. And he takes the picture in his kitchen where he has all white appliances. Nice. Blows my mind. That mm. is... Uh, he's trying to get <laughs> back in front of that trend, which... Still waiting for it to come around because, you know, stainless steel pretty much the go-to yeah, for most yeah. normal so, people, not from the 1980s. Um, I digress. Just uh, he, well, his Twitter account is usually just him posting Bible verses and, mm -hmm. and how thankful he is for God giving him another day on this planet. So, Bill, you've had plenty of time now to think of yours. Well, uh, I'd probably say Jesus then, <laughs> and Mr. Dan Carpenter. If, if there's going to be anyone that's going to heal heal you, be able to heal your wounds. Hey, Dan, you want to hurt us? <laughs> <laughs> well, which, by the way, our new quarterback also has a kind of yeah, he has look a little, he has a lush streak in him too. Yeah, except Dan Carpenter definitely has a cigarette behind his ear the entire game for mm. sure. What a story it's going to be. Four weeks from now, when the Bills are six what? and two, six and two, <laughs> led by Kyle Orton, well, Sammy the, the Watkins will be just a gas lighting it up. I mean, it's going to be incredible. This is why we love these Buffalo Bills because 
changing quarterbacks to Kyle Orton has just <laughs> renewed all of the like the offseason giddiness that we acquire every year. It was back this year, and now it's back in a big way thanks to Kyle fucking Orton. I love it. I love being a Buffalo Bills fan. <laughs> It's a, I mean, speaking, it's ridiculous. I mean, dude, you you were talking about the circus label here. It's it's a circus. It's a circus. We've got an entire front office and a coaching staff who are desperate to keep their jobs because we're about to change owners, and we've got a, again. But the owner doesn't know anything about football. Not yet, he doesn't. I mean, you better learn pretty quick, or hire somebody who gives him good information. Uh, we've gone off the rails. Okay, this is a, I enjoyed this wild card, but let's get into predictions. We've switched it up this year. Best case, worst case scenario. I'll go first this time. Worst case scenario, we get blown out. And when we say worst case scenario, we're, we're referring to things that could feasibly happen. Because best case scenario, of course, we blow them out too. But that's not going to be the case. Worst case scenario, we get blown out. And I think that's a very real possibility. Score? Like 38-3. to 3. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that Kyle Orton is not that good. Uh, can't get it going. Um, and they just... Megatron has a day, a couple big plays, and then like two more. Just you know, we're kind of hanging around. It's seventeen to three, midway through the third quarter. We almost score, maybe kick a field goal. It's seventeen to six. We're coming back, and then they just like pile on two touchdowns, and all of a sudden thirty-one six. We can't. We throw an interception. They kick a field goal, thirty-four six, and it's just like okay, the, the game's over with five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. That's worst case scenario. Best case scenario, Kyle Orton is sharp. He keeps them off their pass rush. We get the running game going, and we get points from our defense. I think all of those things are possible. And if all of those things come to fruition, I think we can win this game 27-17. I think those are, those are, those are fair predictions. Uh, I would uh, I would say that we would put up more points than, than three no matter what. Uh, so worst case scenario, I'd go, uh, I think we can score, I think we put up like 13 points on them. Um, but they would have at least 30. So we'll say, you know, 35 to 13. Yeah. Something like that. That, that could absolutely Worst happen. case scenario. Um, and it'll be ugly, man. It'll be ugly. Uh, best case scenario. Seventeen to thirteen, win. Yeah. So you and I both think there's it, this team has it in them to beat them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For I sure. think so too. Any given Sunday. For yeah, sure. I totally agree. Yeah. Um, and you never know, man. Things start clicking on that offense the first in the first quarter. And the first quarter is going to dictate the entire game. And they don't have film on our offense. I mean, they kind of do. But they don't know our offensive tendencies now that we have a quarterback. So like we're kind of catching them off guard a little bit. We're catching the league off guard because we've been planning this Kyle Orton thing <laughs> now for over a year, and he has a, There's a, there's a specific playbook that's, be, that's being built for him. He has been he has Nathaniel, been training. Yes, get the hack it. He pulls out this giant playbook. Has to blow the dust off of it. Are we ready? We're ready. Get EJ in here. <laughs> EJ, sit down. We have to go over some things. Oh. All right, Cass, best case scenario, worst case scenario. <laughs> All right, so like you guys, I'll start off with worst case scenario. Worst case scenario, it'll be just like 2008, fifth game into the season, where our quarterback steps back and is out for the rest of the game <laughs> during the first series. 
Meaning, EJ comes back in and plays the rest of the game. That's just the worst case scenario. Yeah, that's true. That is very true. And you know, you have a you have a way of doing this, Cass, because your worst case scenario against the Dolphins wasn't a loss. It was a last second loss breaking everybody's hearts. And you were spot on about that too. But you're absolutely right about this. Second drive of the game after a sputtering start, Kyle Orton gets flattened and we don't see him again until training camp 2015. <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh or, it or, does not get any worse than that. You know, or would it be worse if he played miserable and then all of a sudden we have to deal the next week with oh boy should we really be playing ej but we're talking about we're talking about feasible scenarios and i don't think that'll be the case okay he i has think at least four weeks to prove himself no i think that i think at the worst kyle is gonna need kyle look at we're already best friends <laughs> i think at the worst orton's gonna need a quarter and a half to get his legs back underneath him i mean he hasn't i mean he played in two games last year he has like had not a lot of experience over the last couple of years I think at worst it takes him a quarter and a half to warm up to game speed and to everything else. Plus, he's never played in a game with this team before. He's never played yeah. in a preseason game. So I think worst case scenario it takes him a little bit to get going, but I don't think he'll I think he's got the quarters. talent. He's just never he's just never applied it before. You see him drinking out with these girls, you know. He is rather pie faced. He's yeah. got it. He and you know what? I think we're gonna see it. He's still got some swagger. He's got some swagger. Alrighty. My best case scenario. <laughs> Is that next week I get to pick Fred Jackson as my Batboo Player of the Week again because he rushes for two touchdowns in a Buffalo Bills win? All right, I like it. Um, score? Like, what do you think the margin will be? Oh, it's still it's gonna be. Are you kidding me? It's still gonna be a close game. It's like twenty four twenty one. So it's gonna be close either yeah. way. Okay. Yeah. All right, I, I can dig that. Uh, thanks so much for listening to us. Another long episode this week. I, I enjoyed. Uh, Bill, I know your brother in law, whoever the uh, Brandon, right? Is that your brother in law? No, not anymore. No, who? How do we know him? I don't. I don't know Brandon. Brandon Roskowski, our friend. Uh, Brandon Meister on Twitter. You know him. You tailgated with him once. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I thought his name was like Jay or something. Well, well okay, maybe it is in real life. But how do we, how do we know him? Uh, he's my brother-in-law's uh, good friend. Oh, okay. Well, he's a big fan of the show. Yeah. So, uh, and he always listens to the end, and he always gives us props. He's like, "Yeah, you I guys." I love you, bro. He's like, "You guys should do eighty-five minute shows every week." <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm glad you have eighty-five minutes to listen, but you know, we have lives too. But uh, so I, I, I rest assured, he's listening now. So thank you very much. Once you hear this, tweet us right away. I know you will. You always do. For the rest of you, tweet us. Find us on Facebook, BillsandBeers.com. Tell everybody you know. And I think this week we'll actually put the. We'll put the wild card out there on Twitter, so use the hashtag B&B wild card um, and tell us who you would like to have over to your place to drown your Bill Sorrows, because it's been pretty, it's been a drinking theme yeah, uh, for most B, of us. And that's B, the letter N. N is a ninja. B. Yes. B is in bombastic, card. N is a ninja, B yeah. is in Bombastic. By the way, I always do. I always do like throw out very random things. Yes, whenever I was someone, just whenever I'm talking like an operator, yeah. like they expect you to say like you know, I like K for that Kelly, too. and I'm like eh, K for kite. Uh, yeah, or like just you know, very random things, and I was like, ha, 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 I've never thought about that one before. I, I did that to somebody the other day. I was like, I was like, A is an apple, C is in catastrophic. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we've had a lot of fun. Join us next week. uh, Subscribe on iTunes. Tell everybody you know about our podcast. For Bill, for Cassie, for Sujit, who's not with us, and for the long-forgotten Jeff Day, I'm Lars. Go Bills. The Bills.
make me wanna Shout <laughs> that didn't work. All right, Booper, hit the bricks. No, 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 no. Go see mom. Go see mom. Betty, Betty, no. Should she flip that up like yeah, that? Betty. Booper, come on, right. Okay, come with me. Do you call her Booper? Booper, Betty Boop. Oh, that would be a good Halloween costume. <laughs>